Sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. this month and it's called one and that's what I want to talk to you about and we're going to spend the next few uh, uh, weeks together talking about the significance of one go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15 verse 4 and we're going to go all the way to verse 10 you can look on the screen behind me as well Luke chapter 15, verse 4, we want to welcome everybody watching online. Those of you that are streaming the, the, the service today, we welcome you and we're so glad you're joining us. Luke chapter 15, it says this, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, say one, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one, say one which is lost until he finds it. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner, say one, one. who repents than over 99 just persons who need no need of repentance. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one, say one, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the peace which I lost. Nevertheless, I say to you, there is great joy in the presence of the angels. Of God over one sinner, say one, one, who repents. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just thank you right now for your word today. I thank you, Lord, for every person that is here. And I ask, Lord, that their hearts would be open to your word. Because, Lord, I believe you want to speak a word that could change everything for them. Father, we ask right now that you would speak, that you would use this time to do something that would change the course of our entire destiny. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This scripture is powerful. It talks about the power of one. It talks about the value of one. That Jesus cares so much about the one. See, most of us in here at one time or another, we were the lost sheep. We were the one that God had to go after and get. Can I get an amen on that? Now, God had to go to some crazy places to get us, right? Come on. Amen. 
He had to go over here to Garden Block to get some of y'all, right? He had to go by G Parkway and scoop some of y'all up. I didn't forget the heights. He had to go down there. Uh, he really had to go down there. But you know why he does those things? Because he cares about the one. Cares about the one. He knew you was hanging out at the cinch. Come on. He knew you was over at the mix downtown. Wherever you was at. Or maybe you were just in your, your primo's backyard every Friday. Drinking beers. He knew where you were, but he came and got you. How many was that sheep at one time? Amen. I was there with you. That's how much God cares about the one. My heart is that you'll care about the one. Because there's an epidemic in America in the church. We forget where we come from. We leave the place that we came from. And we begin to rejoice in this new life. And we don't go back and get others. We have a problem in the church. We don't share the blessings. We love to hoard up the blessings. Come on, tell your neighbor, don't be a hoarder. You ever seen that show? That show will make you clean your house. I can't stand that show. I feel so dirty when I watch that show. Oh, I just feel like I need a shower after watching some of the, peop, the stuff people saving and, and, and doing. And as I'm talking about it, some of y'all getting convicted right now. You're like, I know, Pastor, I need to clean out my closet. I know. Those jeans, just throw them out. You ain't never getting back in them. Never. Never. It ain't coming back. And if they do, they're way out of style, okay? They ain't, they ain't coming back. But we save everything, right? We save everything. We hoard. Well, in the church, we got hoarders too. We're just trying to stack blessings in the church. We come, I love what we sang today. It's not about a blessing, God. You owe me nothing in our worship. But yet we pursue God for the blessings. We pursue God for more, more, more. We want more. And I believe God is in heaven going, why do you want more when you've done nothing with what I've already given you? We saw it in the offering scripture there. He that is faithful in little gets much. But a lot of us ain't been faithful in the little because we get blessed and we hoard it. We keep it. We take it on for ourselves. And that's a problem because the whole reason Jesus saves us and leaves us on the earth is because it's our job to spread the good news. It's our job to share the blessing. And uh, Isaiah chapter six, verse eight, talks about Israel's problem uh, back in the Old Testament. And Israel is a type and shadow of the church, of you and I. They did some crazy things. But guess what? We do crazy things. And at this time, God, I believe the, the Godhead, Jesus, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, their heart was breaking because this people that they had cut covenant with, that they had made a blessing that they had taken out of slavery and broken the chains of bondage and led them through the Red Sea and, and conquered all their enemies and slayed giants and blessed their land, all that, the people of God began to go after other gods. And they began to seek the gods of the Egyptians and the Babylonians and the uh, Canaanites and all these other gods. And God is like, why? You're mine. You're my people. I blessed you. I took you out of bondage. 
I've taken care of you. And at this time, Israel had departed. And I look at that and I go, why? But I got to remind myself, we do the exact same thing. Jesus pulls you out of your old bondage. Sure, you come to church, but God is not your God. Money is your God. Success is your God. We have all these idols sometimes, and, and, and we get away from the heart of God, and the heart of God is to reach others with the gospel. So God begins to prophesy here through Isaiah in, in chapter 6. And Isaiah says this, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I believe the Father is saying the exact same thing to us today as we think about the lost people that are outside of this church. Who will go for us? My prayer is that by the end of our times together in this month, you will say what Isaiah says. And you know what he says? He says, here am I, send me. You see, when I read this scripture, it hits different because what I hear is a loving father whose children have been lost, crying out and saying, who will help me find my lost sheep? Who will help me find my sons and daughters? And guess what? The majority of us were too darn busy with our own agendas. We're too darn busy trying to get our business off the ground. We're too darn busy trying to find a husband. We're too darn busy trying to get our kids blessed, our kids into college and get a house and to do this and to be successful. And guys, I get it. Those are good things. But those things cannot replace the mission that God has given us to go out and reach others with the gospel. I believe we have, we have come to a place where we no longer believe how real hell is. And I've come to tell you today, hell is a real place. It is a place that has been designed for the devil and his angels. It was not made for you and I. It, God didn't make hell so that people can go there and burn for eternity and be punished. No, he put that place there so the devil and his angels would be punished for what they did. But here's the problem. When Satan came into the garden and he deceived Adam and Eve, they made a choice that they could either serve God or they could go their own route. That leads to destruction. And every day, we all have that same decision to make. And many people are headed to that eternal, eternal place called hell. And it's up to you and I. We are all God has to rescue people out of hell. Can I get an amen on that? And I hear God say, who will go? My prayer is that this church will say, here we are, send us. Can I get an amen on that? Now, I wanna pull back and I wanna set a foundation right here as we get in here and, 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 and build this doctrine in your heart and, and build this understanding in your heart because I don't just want this to be a blessing, a, a, a word, a good word that you go, oh yeah, that series was nice. No, I want this word to get in your heart and keep you up at night. Uh, at the end of this word, you gotta make some changes in your life. Amen? I want this word to challenge you. I want the Holy Spirit to wake you up with this word. I want this word to get on the inside of you because on the other side of this word 
is a better life for you. See, sometimes we look at the word of God like it's the U.S. government. And God's trying to get you to sign up for the army and try to selling you on all the blessings, not knowing that when you sign up in the army, you're probably going to get killed. And we try to look at it like, oh, well, God's just trying to like okie doke us, you know, trying to get us to do his work. And it's going to be a hard life. And listen, you're, you got it all wrong. And that's why I want to set a foundation for you here. Look at John chapter 10, 10. Go ahead and turn there in your Bibles or you can look on the screen. John 10.10 is an important piece of scripture that you must understand because what this is, this is Jesus' mission statement, okay? This is the reason Jesus came into the earth. This is the reason he died on the cross, uh, paid the price for your sins and my sins. This is the reason he was spit upon, he was whipped, he was beaten so that you couldn't even recognize him. The whole reason Jesus left glory to come to the earth, and the whole reason he wants to be a part of your life. Listen to what it says here. Look what it says, uh, John chapter 10, 10. At first it says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. You know, a lot of people want to debate who that's talking about. Is it the devil? Is it something else? But listen, when I read that, that's exactly what the Satan has come to do. Satan is not your friend. Somebody needs to hear that today. Especially since we got Halloween coming up. Y'all play too much. You play with the devil way too much. You do. You, you, we, we play with the devil like he's your friend. He is not your friend. Come on, it's getting worse and worse in today's day and age, right? I saw a video the other day from Taylor Swift. All the Swifties, y'all, you put your head up real quick. You was on your phones. and All them Swifties, they heard Taylor Swift. They was ready to fight right there. But I, I, saw, I saw a video of her, um, and, you know, she was singing about some song, and all of a sudden, she puts a devil mask on. The song wasn't about the devil. It had nothing to do with it. All of a sudden, she's dancing, and then, boom, she puts, I'm like, what? You see, people think it's cute. Don't get me started on all the stuff that's in hip-hop music today. They, went, they done went the way of heavy metal back in the day, Remember? Y'all remember heavy, some of the OGs, you remember heavy metal back in the, uh, the day. ACDC, Kiss, they sing, you know, you know uh, songs about the devil and something. Hip-hop's doing it now. People playing with the devil too much. But let me just tell you, the scriptures say this, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. That's it. That's it. He ain't your friend. He's not your friend. Amen? Amen. I know you love horror movies, but we need to renew your mind a little bit. Because you can't play with the devil. And I know you like it. I get it. I get it. I know some of y'all here, my favorite holiday is Halloween. First of all, it's not a holiday. You got to go to work. Amen? So quit, quit putting it up there with Christmas, y'all. It ain't, it ain't the same thing. It ain't the same thing. It ain't the same thing. You know, I know some of you already got the spider webs in front of your house and, you know, dressing your kids up like Chucky. And then you wonder why he get in trouble at school. You dress them up as Chuck. He got a Chucky spirit on him. <laughs> Poor kid. Poor kid. You're dressing up your daughters like witches and stuff. And, one, and then you wonder why they manipulate you and try to control you emotionally. You put it on them when they was eight years old. Come on, amen? 
I wasn't even going into this. Somebody need to hear this. Somebody need to go home and take the spider webs down. Be mad about it. But you want a different team now. You want a different team now. I'm just telling you, we, we, we don't play that on this team. Amen? Yeah. We don't, we're, you're on a different team. You want a different jersey now, right? Okay? So, you know, I won't be rooting for the Broncos today. Because this is my team, yo. This is my team. But we do that in the church, right? We do that in the church. We're on Team Jesus until October 31st. And then we want to tip over here. Hey! Showing up like Freddy Krueger. Come on now. Y'all got me off base, but somebody needed to hear it. The thief doesn't come but to steal, kill, and destroy. So y'all, you quit playing with him. Quit playing with him. Quit playing with him. Get him off your TVs. Get him out your music. Quit playing with him. Quit acting like him. Because the, the payoff is he's come to steal your destiny, kill your life, destroy your family, your marriage, and everything you hold dear. Period. Amen? But that's not what I'm trying to tell you about. What I'm trying to tell you about is the rest of it that says, Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. This is why Jesus came. He wants to give you life. And he wants to give you abundant life. Why abundant life? Abundant means more than enough so that you can share it. So that you can break somebody else off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Look what it says in the Message Bible right here, right? It says, a thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came so that you can have real and eternal life. And listen to this. And more better life. I like to say it like this. Mo better. Come on, say mo better. We're in South Sac. Mo better life. Than you ever dreamed of. This is why Jesus came. This is team Jesus. Jesus did not come to burden your life. To steal your fun. To give you a list of rules and regulations. Jesus came to give you a better life than you could ever dream of. I, I need you to catch this today. Because some of you don't read the Bible through this lens. You read the Bible through a lens of a God that is trying to make life hard for you. You, you read the Bible like, dang, that's hard. Why I got to do that? And then you wind up going, nah, that's too much. I'm going to do this on my own. And you read scriptures like 1 Corinthians chapter 6, which tells you, single people, don't date unbelievers. Tell your neighbor, just whisper it to him, that's for you. Just tell him, that's for you. <laughs> tell them, tell them, tell them they need to hear it from you, not me. Tell them, that's for you. So let me tell you something. We read that, right? And we go, well, dang, Jesus, that's hard because I don't like nobody in my church. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jesus, but. And then we have a decision to make, right? See, when you read it through a lens that says God is just there to make things difficult for me, you will find yourself rebelling against that word. You'll find yourself, well, there's got to be an exception to the rule. And that's why every dude you've ever dated is a joker. 
got real quiet in here, especially with the ladies. You're like, you right, you right. Lord Jesus. Because you have not yet learned that Jesus' job in your life is to make your life better. And so everything he writes in this book is designed to make my life better. So when I rebel against what he says, what is the opposite of making my life better? Making my life worse. So when I drift from this book, my life don't get better, it gets worse. It gets worse. And that's why we've got to be honest. Some of you, your life has not gotten better since you've become a Christian. Let's just be honest. You're just as broke. You're just as unhappy. Taking the same psych meds. You still deal with depression. Still lonely. Still busted. Disgusted. Come on, you know the West. Won't even be trusted, Holmes. And see, you want to blame me. You want to blame the church. But you need to look in the mirror. Because the problem that you have is you have not yet learned that everything in this Bible is for my benefit. And when I submit my life to what is in the Bible, my life gets better. But if I do not do what is in this book, my life gets worse. Because the mission of Jesus Christ, John chapter 10, 10, is to give me a better life than I have, could ever dream of. And so when I read the Bible, I stop and say, Lord, I thank you that what is in this book, what you're asking me to do is for my benefit. It is to bless me, not hurt me. Guys, it is so important that you read the Bible that way. See, when I was 19 years old and I had messed my life up and I had got to a place where like, dang, if I keep going, who knows what's going to happen? I was smart enough to, smart, to find that out at 19. Some of us didn't find that out till our 20s, 30s, 40s. Come on, somebody. Hey, that's smiling. Ain't nobody judging you. Uh, you the, the good thing is you found it out. Hey. But here's the problem. When I found that out, I stopped trusting me. And I started trusting him. And that's what it all comes down to. Y'all trust yourself too darn much. Can I, can I help you today? I need to hurt you to help you right now. Is that okay? You're not that smart. You don't know it all. You need help. Tell your neighbor you need some help. If they got mad... If they got mad, that, that was for them right there. So I got, I, got, I got to get you to see this, right? Because Jesus is being misrepresented. You know what it doesn't say? I came to judge the world. I came to send people to hell. I came to curse people for doing wrong. No, Jesus said, I came to give you a better life. A life that's better than you could ever dream of. Why am I spending so much time on this? Because you've got to understand now, everything you read in the Bible comes from that context. Comes from a heart, the heart of a God that just wants to see you blessed. Amen? Amen. So when we read that, now let's read some other scriptures from the, from the Bible with that heart in mind. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 16, 24. It says this, then Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, 
and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? So sometimes when you don't have the right heart about God, you read that and you go, ouch. I can't follow God unless I take up my cross. And, and, and let's not make any bones about it. What is a cross? The cross was representative of a criminal's death. Okay? A criminal's death. So Jesus' invitation to die, if you don't understand the mission, you could look at that and go, man, God is just trying to jack me over. Wow. God is just, just like all the other gods in the world. He wants us to sacrifice everything to him. He's got an ego problem. No. Jesus wants you to have the best life. And he knows, catch this now, the biggest obstacle to you having a great life is not the devil. It's you. It's your big head. Because you think too much. And you think you know better than the God that came to give you a better life than you could ever live or ever dream of. And so what he's basically saying is, here it is, trust me. Trust me. Give up your life. Trust me. And you see, and some of us, we're, 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 so, we're so scary because trauma has jacked us up. And so when we hear challenging things like that, we think the worst thing. We think that means, oh, well, I got to quit my job. Guess I ain't going to college. Guess I got to move to a hut in Nicaragua somewhere and fight the Sandinistas with a Bible. And, and we just go all extreme on this thing. And we just go, well, I, ain't, I guess I don't have a, guess I ain't getting married. No. All he's saying is change your priorities. Lay what you want on the cross and pick up his agenda. See, I learned this a long time ago, right? God ain't mad at your agenda. We all got agendas, by the way. Think about what your agenda in life is right now. For some of you, you want to be successful. You're climbing the corporate ladder. You want to get that business going. You want to have stacks on stacks on stacks. You want to make racks. You want to, you want to be this. You want to own a gold chain and get a gold tooth. That's your agenda. That's your agenda. Some of you just want to make sure you can send your babies to college. Some of you want to make sure you can own a nice house, get a nice car, get a, get a good career. Listen, those are great agendas. Maybe not the gold tooth thing. That, that. Pause. Pause on that one. But, but, but the agendas, right? That's nothing wrong with those agendas, guys. Nothing wrong with those agendas. But here's the problem. What about God's agenda? Because some of us in this room forgot it. And you've made Christianity about you and yours. You've made Christianity about God bless me, bless my family, bless my baby girls, bless my son, bless my business. Give us this, give us that. And then God gives it all to you. That's what's so wild about God. It's amazing. Let me just tell you something. You need to calm down about the blessings of God because God will bless some jacked up people. 
Some of us, we like to, we like to act like I'm blessed. No, you're blessed because God's good, period. And you're lucky he's good. You're lucky he's good. We like to flaunt the blessings like it's necessarily God's approval. It ain't always God's approval. You know what it is? It's God's mercy. That's what it is. You don't deserve that career you got. You think you do. You think you know you barely passed high school. Yeah, but I'm smart. I'm smart, though. No, no, what you are? You're somebody that serves a merciful God. Somebody needs to hear this today because you, you're doing this too much. You're doing this too much. You're doing this too much. You're doing that too much. God is just a good God. He's good to you. Amen? Y'all taking me all through this. Other, somebody needs to hear these things today. But see, you've got to understand, what about God's mission? What about what he wants? See, we forsake what God wants because we think, we, we think he's asking us things that are going to make our lives harder, not better. But I just read to you, he came to give you life. And life more abundantly. Let me keep giving you give me some other scriptures here. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Remember, he's come to give you a better life than you could ever dream of. So when we read Acts chapter 20, 35, look what it says. I have shown you in everywhere, every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Come on, it's more better. Everybody say more better. We know that, but we don't believe that. If you believed it, you'd be generous. If you believed it, you would give. And I, I, I want to say this real quick. We got a generous church. We really do. Y'all are givers. Amen. But there may be one or two of y'all here that we're trying to get you on team generous. Amen. Because you're on team whack right now. Okay. Yeah. You're on team lack, all right? That's what you are. But we need to get you over here because why? Because when God tells you it's more blessed to give than receive, if you believe that and understand that, you'll see that. Remember, he's not trying to make my life harder. He's trying to make it better. And so when he says, hey, you're better off giving, we, okay, because I know that's going to make my life better. Like, I, I still don't understand why people wrestle with the tithe. It makes so much sense to a son of God. It makes so much, it makes about as much sense as when a farmer brings in their harvest. Do you know they don't eat everything? They don't sell everything? Because the farmer has to go, wait a minute, we got to plant more of these seeds. So I'm going to need you to keep some of this harvest back so we can put it back in the ground so that next year the harvest can keep coming. See, when you understand God, it makes so much sense. But when some of you don't read the Bible through the lens of John 10, 10, you think everything's hard. Everything's a task. Well, why we got to do that? Well, why is that in there? And then you find yourself being big headed and trying to argue. Well, I don't think that's what it says. Well, you know, I heard a preacher on them. Well, I, you know, I don't think anything's wrong with premarital sex. If you're going to marry the person, then marry him. We was going to get married anyways. You lie. <laughs> Ladies, that's what they tell you. We get married anyways. No, he ain't marrying you. Because if he was marrying you, he'd have done did it. Yeah. Lean over and say, that was for you too. Tell him. Just tell him. Just tell him. <laughs> Let's keep going. We got to believe his word. And here's the big thing, right? Matthew 28, 19 and 20. This is what I want to get to. This is what we're going to talk a little bit about in the weeks to come. But you are going to hear it in a way. 
that if you grasp it, okay, you are going to see your life change because it changed my life over 30 years ago. Look what it says. Jesus says last words to the, to the disciples, to the church before he ascended up to heaven. He says, go. Everybody say go. Go, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all these things that I have commanded you. And Brenda and Corey and all the rest of the Lowe family and lo, I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. That's your scripture, y'all. That's your scripture. But it's also for all of us. He says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the great commission. But the church in America has made this the great omission. Because people are doing everything but that. Everything but that. We'll pray if it means I get a blessing. We'll give if it means I get a blessing. We'll go to church if it means I get a blessing. But you know what the greatest thing that brings blessing to your life is when you exchange your agenda for God's agenda. When you make your life about reaching others. Can I get an amen? Amen. Reaching others, okay? This is what this is about. See, this is what gets us to Matthew chapter 633. Matthew chapter 633 is one of my favorite scriptures. It is a life scripture. It is something that if you get it, it is a cheat code to life. It is a cheat code to your dreams because we all got dreams. We all got an agenda and that's okay. God's not mad at your agenda. You just cannot put your agenda above his agenda. If you give God your agenda and you take up his, God will bring your stuff to pass with less effort. Let me prove it to you. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 6, But seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and everything that you need shall be added unto you. Put it on the screen, guys. Matthew 6, Everything you need will be added unto you. Did you hear that? What do you need? What's somebody say? A man? I heard that. I heard that over there. I need a man. Thank you for being honest. I need a woman. Thank you for being honest. I need a house. I need a job. Come on, whatever you need, right? That's what it says. Matthew chapter 6, 33. I don't know why they're not putting it up. They'll find it. But trust me, open your Bibles. Look it up. (laughs) When you seek first the kingdom, of God. He adds everything you need. You know what we do? We bring our needs to God and we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray. Sometimes what we need to do is give our need to the Lord and then go, God, this is what I need. But now, Lord, tell me, what do you need? I let you know what I need. God, now tell me, what do you need? And when you fulfill what God needs from you, Matthew 6.33 tells you he will then take on your need. And the church said, you're welcome. Because what that is, is a cheat code. And you've been trying to get a man for years. (laughs) Don't cry, don't cry. I I didn't mean to touch that trauma right there. I'm glad you're asking, 
But maybe you need to turn to God now and go, okay, God, you know what I need. What do you need? Remember what I told you before is the person, the biggest obstacle, there it is, guys, the biggest obstacle to you being blessed like Jesus came to bless you is you. And there's a very famous line in a great movie from the 80s or it might have been the 90s called Jerry Maguire. Anybody see that movie? Jerry Maguire. There's a line in there where the brother tells him, help me help you. Now, I believe this is what the Spirit of God is saying every time you pray. You'd be like, God, I really need this. God's like, cool, but uh, help me help you. I already told you I'm here to bless you. I'm here to make your life better. Yeah, but God, I just need a better job. Help me help you. What are you doing with the tithe? Using it, paying my rent, feeding my kids. Help me help you. Everything in the book, everything I tell you to do is to better your life. But here's the problem. You won't do it. You won't do it. Instead, we want to just come and cry and God do help. And Jesus is saying to you today, help me help you. You want to get married. But you keep dating these jokers because they got good teeth, because they got a little bit of money, because they have a nice ride. You keep doing it. And every night you pray, God, just send me a, a man of God. Lord, I just I know you got somebody for me. And God's saying, yeah, I got somebody for you. But somebody's in the way. Somebody that my word says does not qualify to date you. But you won't trust me. Yeah, Lord, because, you know, it's hard. (laughs) What did I come to do? Give you a better life than you could ever dream of. Yeah, but Lord, there's nobody finding. God will drop somebody out of heaven if he needs to. (laughs) You all know my testimony. See, some of you are like, ain't nobody in this church. There was nobody in my whole town. preference y'all I had a preference I knew what she had to look like and I was in a town where nobody looked like that (laughs) dang but one day she came to town for a wedding and it didn't take but five seconds I said who is that (laughs) five seconds but God did it why because I heard his word If I do his word, he will make my life better. Guys, it all comes down to trusting. All comes down to trusting. Why has the church left the Great Commission? Because they view it as hard. They view it as sacrifice. They view it as it's taking them away from their agenda. I ain't got time to reach people. I'm trying to be successful. I'm trying to pay my mortgage. I'm trying to take care of my family. And we make the Great Commission seem like it's going to be something that's going to take away from our life when it's the very thing That's going to add to your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let me leave you with this, y'all. Ecclesiastes 5.13 says it like this. There is a severe evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches kept for their owner to his hurt. 
It's interesting that the Bible says that one of the worst evil in the earth, right? It's not adultery. It's not rape. Those are all terrible things. It's not abuse. It's not murder. Those are all bad things. Ain't nobody saying those are good things. But the scriptures say the vilest of evil, one of the worst translations says the worst kind of evil is when the rich keep the riches to themselves. Guys, he's not talking about people with money right here. You know who the rich are? Christians. We have been blessed with all the riches of Jesus Christ. We get to go to heaven. We will walk the streets of gold. We have the way out of darkness, sin, bondage. We have it. You have it. He gave it to you. You have new life. But he says, you are guilty of the worst evil if you don't share it. We go to work every week. Don't talk to nobody. You're a Christian, but you got a bad attitude. Come on. And you just like, I'm only here to do my job. Don't nobody talk to me. I just want to do my job and go home. Well, you need to grow up and you need to understand that Jesus put you on that job to share some seed. Well, I got my Jesus picture in there. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Because you got all them scriptures around your cubicle with a bad attitude. That's bad advertising. Don't nobody want Jesus after meeting you. I don't want that Jesus. <laughs> that's, a, that's a knockoff Jesus. That's a whole other message. But listen, catch this. The worst kind of evil that God's trying to keep us from is from being a people that never share Christ. What we look like every Sunday coming into a praise party, all excited. We saved. We going to heaven. We blessed and highly favored. And don't ever share that with anybody in your family, on your job, nothing. We come in every Sunday. Hey, pastor, how you doing? Blessed. Oh, you I'm blessed too. We blessed. We blessed up in here. We all blessed, blessed, blessed. But what did the scripture say that we started with? Heaven rejoices more over one getting saved than the gathering of the people that have no need of repentance. You want to touch the heart of God? Just win one. 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 Just one. Just one. Just one. The reason we're talking about this this month is because by the end of the year, if you will do as Isaiah said, here I am, send me. I'm believing you will win one if you say yes to do that. Because you know what the biggest crime is? We're reading it right there. Riches kept to their owner. Here's what the last part says, to his hurt. You know what that means? If you don't share your riches, your riches will destroy you. I see this in the church. I get to travel, been to all these nations, all over the United States even, and I get to see weird Christians everywhere. You want to know what makes Christians weird? When they don't share their faith. How many know there's some weird Christians out there? Did y'all know there's some weird churches out there? Did y'all know that? Guys, like seriously, there are some weird churches out there, weird Christians out there. And you want to know why that is? You want to know why people get like that? 
they don't share their riches. Some of you had a weird Christian aunt. Come on, you remember her. And let's just say she was weird because she cared more about the religion than sharing love. She cared more about being holy than sharing Christ, than being generous. And when you hold all that God's done for you to yourself, you're headed down that same road. So what I hear the spirit of God saying to this church right now is just win one. Because the average Christian in America, so-called Christian, has never led anybody to the Lord. And that doesn't make any sense. A bird flies, a dog barks, and Christians, real ones, share Christ. We do. That's what we do. We are made to reproduce. That's what we do. And I'm not saying this to make you feel bad. I'm saying this to challenge you. To turn your agenda into God. And for the next three months, just to start, wake up every day and say, God, help me to win one. Just one. Tell your neighbor, just one. Tell them. Tell them, tell them both, on both sides. Just one. Show them with your finger, too, because they, they might think you're saying one. Show them with your finger because they think you're going, one, Kenneth, one. No, 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 one, not one. Well, maybe one, but one. If one is your one, then okay. But just one, just one. And the reason we're going to start with just one is sometimes we get overwhelmed. Go into all the world, what, what, what day? No, just win one. One. Can we do that? And I want to say this too. This is not a, I am not trying to grow the church. This isn't a church growth strategy. Well, if every one of you wins one, we will double. I ain't even worried about that, y'all. This, what I'm teaching you is for your benefit. I'm not trying to manipulate you and fulfill it. No, this is for you. Because if you win one, you will see what's on your agenda come to pass. If you win one, God might send you a wife. I don't know. I don't know. But don't go out there missionary dating. Pastor, I'm just trying to win one. I hear you, Pastor. You want to go for some coffee? I'm just trying to win one. No, no. No missionary dating, y'all. No missionary dating. Come on, stand on your feet. I want to pray for y'all today. I'm, I'm serious. I want to give you food for thought. I want you to think about this. If God, if you could give God your agenda, I know you got bills to pay. I know you want to get better at your job. I know you want to get greater in your career, your ministry, your business. I get it. And God gets it too. But let's activate Matthew 6, that if you will seek first his agenda, the kingdom, winning one, God will take care of all your needs. That's what it says. Hey everybody, Pastor Sergio here, and we just want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Make sure you check us out next week as we continue this series.